text for today is from our gospel, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. In the name of Jesus, as I've shared with you before, my early years of childhood began in Perry County, Missouri on 250 acres of forest. Trees, trees everywhere. It was an old tree farm where they literally grew oak, birch, walnut, even Christmas trees and harvested them for various wood products. If you remember back in the olden days and you would drive down Interstate 44 or take Old Route 66 and you were to come through parts of Missouri, you would see a sign for walnut bowls. And if you have a walnut bowl in your home, a lot of the wood, the walnut itself, for all those various works of craftsmanship came from our very farm where I grew up. We had a challenge, though, living out in the boonies, 30 miles outside of Perryville, Missouri. We only had well water, and the water was pretty good. Electricity could be spotty at times. We didn't have central heat and air, as most of our homes do today. Down in this small basement, we had a wood-burning furnace, a big old furnace. And as a kid, I remember looking at it. It looked like an angry old man with a big face when it was aglow. The door, the light, and the heat would just emanate from around it, and when you would stoke the fire early in the morning and turn the blower on, you couldn't even stand on any of the vents in the house because it would literally burn your feet. I remember on cold days wearing a nightgown and just kind of sitting over the top of the grate and letting the heat just kind of rush up and fill you with warmth, especially during the winter. But having a wood-burning furnace meant that you had to have wood to put in it. And so a lot of the time that was spent, usually from the spring through the fall, was literally cutting down trees, chopping it, stacking it, so that you had wood for heat. But which trees? Woods everywhere, all sorts of different types, as I just shared with you. Which trees should be cut down? My dad, to be fair, did not really grow up in such an environment. So he had to call an expert, someone who knew which trees would be good for burning and which wouldn't. And not only that, if a tree is healthy and doing well, why would you want to cut that down? The experts, as it were, was the U.S. Forest Service. And so they would come out once or twice a year and they would literally walk our land and they would identify which trees were either in the process of dying, getting old, ready to come down, or the trees especially that had some sort of disease. This was important to maintaining a a vital forest and to continue to have wood for generations yet to come. And they would literally walk through the forest and using their expertise and knowledge would tie a little ribbon around the tree, or spray paint could be used and still is today. And so when we would drive out into the woods or walk out there with Dad and his big lumberjack chainsaw, we'd look for the trees that were marked. And it was only those trees 
that would be cut down and used for our furnace. Jesus speaks today in our gospel of cutting down trees. He says the diseased trees, the trees that are bad, must be cut down. Why? Because the disease can affect all the others. Which means that you need someone to help you recognize which trees are good and which trees are bad. In our day and age, everybody, to be fair, is an expert. We all have our favorite pundits that we follow, our favorite politicians, our favorite talk show hosts, our favorite newscasts and newspapers and so on and so forth, and we tend to make our decisions and decide what truth is based on either who we follow or, to be fair and let's be honest, how we feel about a certain situation. There is something known as anthropocentrism. Anthropocentrism is the belief that that when we look at things in this life, we do it from our own sight, from our own vision. Anthropocentrism is defined by the Free Dictionary as this, an inclination to evaluate reality exclusively in terms of human values. Not divine, mind you. Not what God as expert or his word has to say. Oh no, anthropocentrism, which is alive and well in our culture today, and perhaps even within our church, focuses and starts with me, with you. Conversely, theocentrism is defined as this, the belief that God is the center of all truth in the universe. Which brings us to a wonderful little text that is used at most ordinations and installations from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Our charge, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. There's a little word there at the beginning of that text. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That little word, before. In Greek, you get to learn something today. Anopian. Go ahead and say it. You'll sound smart. Anopian. This little word, before, occurs 94 times in the New Testament. Luke and John use it the most. Common translations include before, in the sight of, in the opinion of, among, and on behalf of. And this little word speaks to us of perspective. The majority of its uses center on the sight, opinion, and presence of God. Not you, not me, as anthropocentrism, as the old Adam, the devil, and the world would teach us. It is his church his means of grace, 
his all-atoning sacrifice, even his, his gift of faith, these are objective and absolute truths conveyed by Scripture. And yet, is it not amazing what a slight change in perspective can do? A slight change in perspective, well, can be quite subtle but grossly damaging. So how do we look at all the information that is coming to us? How do we evaluate our facts and opinions? How do we make decisions even about future career paths? About decisions of where to live, where to work, who to marry, what should I do today? Do you make these decisions inside of God? Do you consult Him in His Word to help lead and guide you? Or do you trust in just how you feel? Or believe that, well, I've got it all figured out. I'll just do what seems right to me. When we do this, we become very subjective. We become anthropocentric. And above all else, we become dependent upon ourselves and focus just on little old me. Which is why Jesus teaches us what he does in the text for today. He tells us to warn, to be aware, and even to flee false prophets. For those who would teach things that are contrary to God's holy word, what things would they be? You could start with the Ten Commandments. It's why Luther included it right at the very beginning of his catechism. It's why we as pastors ask all of our members to learn that by heart and why you as parents should teach it to your kids. First and foremost, you shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And yet how often we fail. Fearing, loving, and trusting in ourselves and someone or something else other than God. And you can run the gamut on all the other social issues that are around us these days. You want to talk about authority? Go to the fourth commandment. Does the Lord give authority to parents? Does He give authority to the government and the rulers over you? Yes. Has your governor said that you should wear a mask in public? Yes, He has. And you should obey Him. Has the governor also given us churches a little bit of an exemption? He has. He said even in religious services, you don't have to wear it. So for those of you that might be judging others here today that are not wearing that, make sure you know the law and know it well. But above all, fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Jesus says in John 15 verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you. You see, our life as Christians, hidden with Christ, is all about what He has done for us and will continue to do. Paul talks about this further in his letter to the Corinthians. You are not your own. It's not your body. It's not your choice. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. One of my favorite books, written by C.S. Lewis entitled The Screwtape Letters. If you haven't read it before, dust it back off. It's excellent. Screwtape is the uncle of Wormwood. Both of them are demons, not believers. They are false prophets. They are demons who serve the father, which is Satan himself. 
and screw tape continues to give instructions to Wormwood, two paragraphs for you. Screw tape says, We produce this sense of ownership not only by pride but by confusion. We must teach them not to notice the different senses of the possessive pronoun, the finely graded differences that run from my boots through my dog, my servant, my wife, my father, my master, my country, all the way to my God. They can be taught to reduce all these senses to that of my boots, the my of ownership. Even in the nursery, a child can be taught to mean by my teddy bear, not the old imagined recipient of affection to whom it stands in a special relation, for that is what the enemy will teach them to mean if we are not careful, but the bear I can pull to pieces if I like. And at the other end of the scale, we have taught men to say my God in a sense not really different from my boots meaning the God on whom I have a claim for my distinguished services and whom I exploit from the pulpit, the God I have done a corner in. And all that time, Screwtape continues, the joke is that the word mine in its fully possessive sense cannot be uttered by a human being about anything. In the long run, either our father, which here is the devil, or the enemy, which here is the one true God, will say, mine of each thing that exists and especially of each man they will find out in the end never fear to whom their time their souls and their bodies really belong certainly not to them whatever happens at present the enemy says mine of everything on the pedantic legalistic ground that he made it our father the devil hopes in the end to say mine of all things on the more realistic and dynamic ground of conquest Every healthy tree bears good fruit, Jesus says, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. What is good fruit? What is bad fruit? Scripture teaches us quite clearly. And to ask that we would examine our lives in sight of, before God, Enopian, of all of these things. Thus you and I have been rescued from old screw tape. And wormwood. We've been called to live in this world, but, but not of it. We've been called to have a different view of things than, than what you might hear on the TV and your smartphones and devices. We've been called to evaluate truth of all those that may claim it, first and foremost according to what God has said. And above all else, we've been grafted. We have been connected to the one good tree, He alone, Jesus Christ, who is the tree of life, who comes to feed you from His tree, from His holy cross, of His precious body and blood and simple bread and wine. He who has clothed you with His righteousness, He who never wavered in the truth. When Pontius Pilate asks him about truth, he fails to recognize the truth that stands before him. And so as you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, might have doubts, might have fears, might have worries, might question what is true, what is not, I would encourage you and direct you simply back to the Word of God. To let Him speak. To believe and trust all that He has given you. Questions on authority? Go to the first command, fourth commandment. Questions on life, 
such as abortion or end-of-life issues, go to the fifth commandment. Questions on sexuality, you want to get into all the hot topic, hot button issues, go to the sixth commandment. God has clearly spoken on these things, and as Christians, we must not, we cannot back down from all that God has spoken. I must decrease, a Christian says, and he must increase. Christ your Lord has come for you. Bearing the sin and conquering the devil, the world, and your sinful nature upon that ugly, wretched tree on a hill called Golgotha. He has done that, that you would be grafted to him. That you may have a rock, a foundation, roots that run deep even unto eternity. He has done this for you. And he has come as well to continue to mark those diseased trees, to cut them down, to help you through the church, through even your pastors, to mark and avoid those things which are harmful for you, that in turn, you may have life, you may have heat, you may have warmth. I have come to bring life, he says, life for you abundantly. God grant us such a worldview, not from and in ourselves, but from him and his holy word, in the name of Jesus. Amen.